host a virtual event or fundraiser but don't know where to start? You know what? It really isn't such a simple task. There are some clear do's and don'ts when it comes to putting on a virtual event or fundraiser. So today in the Waste Up Wardrobe Studio, I'll be speaking to my guest who is who represents the charity Stand Up for Kids and who raised just as much money conducting a virtual fundraiser as he had done in the past in person. But you know the drill if you want to hear what he has to say and all his tips, you're going to have to stick around to find out. Welcome to Waste Up Wardrobe. I'm Christine Vartanian, a civil engineer and attorney turned personal style expert and image consultant. As the founder of Jade for All Seasons, I am passionate about unveiling the inner confidence of my clients by developing their personal style. But is getting dressed up still important in our virtual world? Well, that's where my experience can help with what I call Waste Up Wardrobe. Waste Up Wardrobe is a podcast for all things you need to conduct an outstanding Zoom meeting. It's about how to dress for the camera, but it's not just about the clothes. It's about everything you need to know to show up on brand and professionally for the camera. Join me in the Waste Up Wardrobe studio to discuss how to navigate this virtual world and dominate from behind the desk. Welcome, Virtual Nation. Welcome to Waste Up Wardrobe for episode 44 of uh, Waste Up Wardrobe, the podcast and show. I'm so uh, pleased that you're here. And we have a great topic that is sort of like a new trend that's going on about how to host and coordinate a virtual event and even a fundraiser where you're really asking for people to donate money to the cause that you are a part of. But before I go into that, remember, Waste Up Wardrobe is on iTunes. Go rate us, review us, and subscribe to us. Also find us on Instagram and also on Facebook here where we live stream every Thursday at 1130 Pacific Standard Time, a new topic that can help you dominate from behind the desk and really have a professional professional um, image when it comes to the virtual world and the virtual workspace. So I also want to give um, a thank you to Rick Moscoso, who is my producer of the show, who makes everything happen in the show, all the technicality. He may even be making an appearance or two today because he is the tech genius that really knows how um, a virtual event has to be conducted. So he will probably be chiming in with his genius. And um, I am going to go ahead and get started. And I'm going to talk about our guest um, today, who is is an, just a really heart-centered human being who really has found an ability to take his passion uh, to help others and convert it into and, and really cross it over with his work. So this is Mike. It's Michael Olson, and he is the director of development at Stand Up for Kids Orange County. His responsibilities include fundraising strategies for this charity and many others that he had uh, has represented in the past. He has had a long, lifelong journey volunteering, including volunteering for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, South County Outreach, South County Outreach, and more. Uh, Michael is a civil engineer and worked both as an engineer designing structures and as a software project manager and has supported engineer-led projects through his career. A lot of his work circled around sanitation and hygiene and getting access to water in specifically Uganda. He believes that life-saving water is one of the most impactful things you can do for another human being. And I 
totally agree. Michael is married with one young child, and we just give me a uh, help me here. Welcome, Michael Olson, to the show. Uh, hi, Michael. Hi, Christine. How are you? Uh, doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So we're having, we can't see you, but we can certainly hear you. So we will basically start out with the, what I call the 60 seconds to get to know you. Um, and basically these are questions about, um, you know, this or that, what the, what applies to you. Are you with me? I am. Yes. Okay. So badgers or gophers? Uh, I would say badgers. Um, so I did go, I went to University of Minnesota and University of Wisconsin. Um, but I am from Wisconsin, so I would lean Badger. All right. Well, that is, uh, you know, these questions are really designed uh, to get to know you better. So I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. Okay. So how about um, live shows or pre-recorded shows? Pre-recorded. Um, does give you a chance to adjust or tweak a little bit as needed. Oh, because you pre-record and you have that safety, right? And I totally understand that and totally agree. Um, here on the Way Supporter of Show, we like to like make our mistakes on air. And luckily, I have uh, Rick in the production room just saving me every time. And Michael, uh, Rick is saying, please put on your camera. So if you can, go ahead and do that. Um, and so let me ask you one final this or that question. How about stand up or sit down? I'm going to go stand up since I work for Stand Up for Kids. Um, uh, it's the charity that I. Whoops, we might have lost Michael, but um, I'm going to step in here until Michael gets back on and really see if uh, Rick can come back on, although he might be troubleshooting in the back. Uh, but uh, Rick, you know, we are going to start talking about how to coordinate uh, a, a a virtual event slash fundraiser so that we can really be able to have it be as impactful as one would be when it's in person. Um, and, um, you know, Michael has done this a, a number of times uh, with charity through his passion products projects and the and the people that in the you know charities that he likes to focus on and support. But I know you've been an instrumental part in a lot of this. So can you just give us an overview of, you know, not don't go into so much detail, but an overview of how, you know, the basics that you really need to have in place. Well, first when I was, uh, there's Mike, um, when we were talking initially, uh, I had to have really a good understanding of how they wanted to proceed what their expectations were. And in the back of my mind, I'm, you know, it's always generating like, how are we going to do that type of thing? And uh, it was, it's really just the pre planning and understanding what the client, what my client, which is Stand Up for Kids, wanted uh, at the time. So there was a lot of collaboration. There was a lot of back and forth planning and, and, and talking and, uh, with, with Michael and the staff and, um, once we once we all understood what the expectations were, then it was easy for me to to uh, uh, suggest a solution to to pull this off. Yeah, so it's like goal setting. You you need to really figure out what the goal of the organization is, what they're going to be going after, so that you can actually gear and build the structure in place to make it happen. And I'm just going to go back to Michael here, Michael. So uh, you know, when I asked you the question, you know, live or pre-recorded, boy, you were really demonstrating for us, weren't you? 
Yeah. <laughs> your love for not being live. Your <laughs> apologies, Christine. No worries, no worries at all. But this is the charm of being live, right? We that our audience gets to see us be real, and it gets to see us make those mistakes because it happens all the time. This is our virtual world. This is how this works. But I'm so glad you're here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and get started. Uh, just talking to you, Michael, about this, you know, we all know that, you know, we used to do fundraisers and galas and we used to put those things in person. Um, and you, you had done that a lot, um, through the charity work that you were supporting. So what were, would you say the initial challenges that you had to overcome, um, in trying to switch from an in-person fundraising event to now you have to do it virtually? Yeah, so I think one of the, I mean, the from the very genesis, it was a, uh, it was a, it kind of got sprung upon us via um, COVID. Um, so COVID exactly. was a driver for the reason for us to go virtual um, originally, and timing was also a thing too. So it was, uh, it kind of sprung up on us like it did everybody else. So we were not planning to do anything virtual and we had to quickly shift gears to that realm. Um, so that was like the first thing. And we, we had not a lot of experience in the virtual world. So it was a, uh, a trial by fire uh, on, a, on a lot of levels. Um, but uh, one of the one of the steps was finding that technical uh, platform and person that's going to kind of like m make it happen, um, and that's where we ended up falling into Rick or being linked into Rick, and uh, he was kind of the glue guy that uh, we, you know, I think as as you've talked about Christine, uh, that person that like ah like he, he's. He he made uh, kind of put us at ease on some level in in this new environment that we were entering. Absolutely, because tech tech technical stuff isn't everybody's forte. We actually tech, tech, technology is not. I don't ever want to deal with technology. I've told Rick this. You know, sometimes he'll send me a recipe to follow these steps. I'm like Rick. Do it for me, please. I, I am not a technical person. I just want to do my creative stuff, you know? But um, so I can see how that could be, it almost could feel like a roadblock, right? You, you, it's almost, you have this anxiety over over taking the, the leap into that world because we don't know. And when we don't know something, it gets, it feels like really hard. Now, I, I love that you started by saying that it was really the first step was to have that mindset shift. The, the, the mindset shift to say that, you know, yes, I was doing this in person, uh, but now I need to really wrap my mind around that we are not getting together in person as much and that I need to wrap my mind around that this is not that hard. It just, I just need guidance and making that decision, right? Because here's the other choice. The other choice is not to do it at all. And I really think that you are in, in a space where you, your work, other people rely on you doing the work, other people to thrive, rely on you, that that probably is a motivation that you cannot let that those people down. And so you have to take action. Whereas an entrepreneur that's, you know, that maybe has a business that maybe feels like I'll just wait it out. I don't want to deal with that. But I feel like you having that behind you, the fact that all these people are relying on you to, 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 to fundraise for this organization might have been a driving force. And I, I don't, I don't know, but I'm just kind of guessing, would you say, would you say that could have played into it? <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so we rely on we rely on events for fundraising purposes, and so that those events are directly related to how many kids we can help with our mission and uh, the mission of the organization that I work for is to end the cycle of youth homelessness. Stand up for kids' mission. So yeah, it's very motivating to know that you know you you got to make something happen in this environment. Uh, and I would I would. Uh, I would piggyback on what you said as far as like, it's not that hard once you open your mind to the idea and you just start digging in um, that, you know, there's some very simple steps that you can go through to get into this virtual space relatively easily, especially nowadays with where technology is at. Yeah, I, I have a business coach and my business coach always says, don't don't sit there and ponder, you know, the how you're going to do it. Get connected with the who, the person's going to help you do it. And in this case, it happens to be Rick Moscoso. So um, I love I love that, you know, you kind of got over that mind block and that you had this bigger purpose and that pushed you to really think, OK, we got to do it a different way. And um, I commend you on that. I mean, you are, are making such a big difference in the world with the work that you do. And I want you to take a minute to really explain to our audience what Stand, stand Up For Kids is. I know you mentioned it a little bit, but I it would be, we wouldn't want to miss the opportunity to really learn more about that organization. Yeah. So we're a national uh, nonprofit. Um, we have 20 locations across the country. The mission of the organization is to end the cycle of youth homelessness. Uh, so we work with thousands of kids per year, uh, helping them with mentoring and housing and kind of all the things uh, youth and young adults need to better themselves and put themselves in a better place. Um, so these are at-risk and homeless youth that we're supporting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very, very rewarding uh, place to work. I imagine. I mean, impacting a child is uh, is kind of like molding the future, right? You, you kind of release them and, and there's a ripple effect. So I can see why that is so empowering and uh, rewarding. So uh, you know, you mentioned challenges being the technology piece at the beginning and finding the right person to help you get that structure in place. Um, so, so if you were giving advice to somebody that really wants to put on a, a virtual event, where would you say, where would they go um, to start? Like, how would they get started thinking about what technology uh, plan to lay out? Yeah, so I guess one of the questions you would ask is 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 live or pre-recorded, um, and you know what are the pros and cons of both, and do you is audience participation uh, a, a thing you want to have? Um, so that would be a vote for going more live. Um, you gotta you gotta find the platform and the outlet. So are you gonna? Is this a YouTube event is that your is that your major outlet is it is it audio is it video probably video um, um, we, we're using streamyard right now which was also the platform that we used um, for the virtual event that we did so um, yeah finding the finding the tools and the in the pieces from a platform standpoint uh, would be one part and then just the uh, camera and the microphone and some of the lighting type of things. Um, it, it probably that kind of stuff also would feel pretty complicated to a novice, but there's some very basic things you can do, like buy a decent microphone, uh, buy a decent <laughs> webcam, um, 
frame yourself in the sh in the shot appropriately. Um, so a lot of things that can be intimidating, but if you kind of just break it into individual pieces and parts, then it's like anything, I guess you could say. There's a recipe. And so if you know the ingredients and you break it down into bite-sized tasks, then then you then you can make it happen. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you mentioned like placement, camera. We actually have episodes on each one of those topics in okay. a way wardrobe because it is that was what was relevant. So it became relevant to your event. So uh, this is a really good time to ask Rick to step on to the stage here because I would really love to learn more about the technical part that, you know, Michael was just talking about. He was talking about first thing pick the platform. So Rick, how would you go about picking a platform for an, for an event as large as Michael was hosting? Well, you know, it really depends on what they wanted to achieve. You know, right. I, we use StreamYard here. It's a very simple, um, simple plat studio platform for anyone to use. There are more comp complex ones that you can have out there. Uh, you know, we at first we had to consider how many cameras, what location, what did do we did we need to play any pre-recorded videos? Uh, what kind of lower thirds? Just just a lot of graphical and uh, video considerations that we had to take. So I think when we when I understood all that stuff, the first thing we had to do is really well two things we had to do is find a good location to broadcast from. So we did some initial tests at their uh, stand up for kids office, and we quickly found that. Their internet speed was equivalent, well, which which was DSL, which was, you know, you might as well mail a letter and send everybody an invitation <laughs> because it's super slow and there's no way that DSL could handle the bandwidth of the signal that we were trying to do and have it uh, uh, high. So the alternative was to find an, uh, a different site that had, you know, good high-speed internet, not Wi-Fi, but good high-speed internet that we could tether through a uh, ethernet cable. And so um, I don't know if you want me to tell tell the audience, but we ended up doing this. Mike Michaels ended up setting up a a set in his garage, whether the internet because he had really fast internet um, uh, in, into the garage, and we had great signal, um, great internet. So that wasn't a problem. Now it was a matter of dressing up the set, getting yeah. the proper lighting. Uh, getting the right uh, um, uh, computer to broadcast their webcam and those types of things. And, and so with a little bit of uh, you know conversation, we were able to, to accomplish that. We had great lighting. Uh, and so kind of got all the tech stuff out of the way first uh, before anything, cause, because that was the most, probably for them, it was the most complex portion of the, um, the production was to get the right tech in place. Now they could focus on the show. So we, we took a look at the program, uh, the programming throughout the show, when we were going to play the videos. Uh, but let me just back up real quick. I think the thing that wasn't really considered at first is who's going to emcee the program. Mm -hmm. And that really, that person was really the glue to move things along, to connect each portion of the uh, gala uh, to the next. And so... Uh, they they chose one of their um, I'm sorry, that was Dr. Kumar, right? And he's a, yeah. uh, a, tr a trustee, not a trustee, um, advisory board member. Yeah, and very well spoken. He connected everything throughout the show very nicely, made it go smooth, and and so there were I don't remember any hiccups in there. 
maybe a portion went long when we were trying to do the live auction or live uh, um, donations, but yeah, but uh, yeah, the fun to need, uh, but everything went very smoothly from, from beginning to end. And it was, you know, so a lot of pre-planning, definitely a lot of pre-planning yeah. helped avoid a lot of the, any, any potential um, problems that we would have during the show. I mean, pre-planning is really the, the, the key thing in anything that you do, right? I mean, the, the planning process is the process that takes the longest, um, and it, but it is the fundamental piece. Once you've got the plan down, all you have to do is just check it off the, the boxes. Uh, so I love that you laid out exactly the steps. I mean, technology was important. Technology had to be addressed first. What platform are you going to use? Where you're going to stream from? What does the connection look like? Is it going to be strong enough so we don't drop off? And then setting up the set. And then the idea of having an MC, really, really important. So if somebody's conducting a, um, uh, you know, a, a, an event where you have to sort of turn over the baton, you need to have a transition. And, or because like one person, if you have speakers coming up, they don't know what, what comes next. There's one person there that has to know what the show or what the, the plan is. So um, I, how did you discover, Michael, that the, the MC um, was needed? And, and Rick, please stay on because I know that there's gonna be a lot of uh, questions going back and forth here, if you can. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, so so kind of the just to kind of piggyback on some of what Rick said, like the the program itself um, was a question, like what kind of program do we do um, in a physical gala? It's a there's a it's a four hour window of time that we have dancing and we have all these components, and so which of those do we take and do we bring into this virtual environment? Uh, and so we had to pick and choose which things made sense. Um, so we had a lot of the speaking components. Uh, we had youth um, who went through our program kind of talk about the way that we helped them. Um, so that's always a key part to bring it back to the mission. Uh, and so we had all these pieces now for the program. There was like nine different pieces with the host kind of being the connector between each of the pieces. And we ended up doing a combo uh, pre-recorded and live Thing at the end of the day where we had the set that Rick talked about and we had the MC that was leading us through the program and he was leading into these different uh, pre-recorded segments. So then it's uh, it's the uh, proper transitioning is, is key for that for sure. And having the person at the wheel that is um, starting this video and stopping it and getting and the host now knows like, okay, I'm back live again and there's some lag between some of these platforms as far as what you see um, publicly and what's actually going on um, on set. So uh, so a lot of little details there to, to understand and that's where practice was key. So getting that MC on site in advance, uh, doing a practice run, um, practicing the transitions, um, capturing the uh, pre-recorded segments was a challenge as well. Um, so thinking about the set and a lot of our guests were remote. They were not in the state or they were somewhere else. So we did a lot of that. Um, trying to kind of make that uniform was another challenge as well. So I, yeah. I want to capture a youth and they happen to be in their bedroom on a Zoom call to capture their testimonial piece. So how do we frame that 
and make it look natural going from the host to this pre-recorded segment and back to the host and trying to keep that uniformity all the way through the event. Yeah, you need some really good um, forethought and organizational skills there. Let me ask you, did you have a lot of guests come live to the studio where you're recording or was it mostly all remote? Yeah, so it was two, we had two live speakers at the event and then there was probably eight or nine uh, pre-recorded segments. Um, so the overall, if it was an hour long and probably 30 minutes was actual live speaking and 30 minutes was pre-recorded. Yeah. And so did the MC show up on set or was he virtual? Yeah. So the two live speakers, um, there was an MC and, a, a support person, you could say, which is another board member, um, Shadi, uh, and they were both in person in, in the studio. I see. So, so Rick, did um, having the MC in the studio? Do you think that was critical uh, than having him virtual? I mean, I imagine that would be important so that he can key into all the things that are happening. In this case, we we could have done either, um, but I like because we had multiple people, and again, we were kind of in all this COVID stuff. Uh, we we had two people on site, and it would be would have added one more variable into the in the already complex you know situation so to have those two on site in one place one camera one set made things a lot smoother yeah and with the stream yard i mean did you have to have any feature of like a breakout room or anything like that i don't know if stream yard does that but have, did you have to have anything like that happen no we didn't um you know there was early discussion um to do something like that for, I think it was the uh, fund and need portion. We were talking about some different things, and that's really the the, the live uh, donation yeah. portion of it. Uh, but we we really didn't have a need for that um, because the fear was, you know, if we don't need a need for fund, and, we don't need that portion for fund and need. The the fear was, okay, we're asking the audience to do one more thing to click into this room, yeah. and then they're going to get lost and. Uh, so we wanted them to just, you know, get on the get on the broadcast and just be and sit back and just kind of, you know, immerse themselves in in the online gala. Yeah. So when you're in a, a in a fundraiser, Michael, you have this ability to be face to face with somebody you're going to ask to to invest or give in uh, to uh, your the cause, right? So it seems like you know you've got this person to person interaction. It feels more. Um, personal, human to human. How did you overcome that in the virtual um, sense? Because, you know, you're asking for money and people want to connect before they'll do that. Yeah, that is probably the number one challenge that we had to try to, had to, when you're at a gala, when you're at an event and you've had a drink and you've heard stories about the kids and there's a, there's a, an essence that like builds and a emotional attachment that you, that you get over the course of the night, if you're, if you're executing the event well. Um, so how do you do that when everybody's sitting on their couch at their house and they're, you know, 30 miles away from you. And how do you, how do you try to bring that passion into the event? Uh, and so that, that was a key part of the planning process. And again, trying to take all those passionate, components and 
put them together in a way that, you know, and honestly, I don't, I don't think there's a way you can really reproduce that in this virtual thing, but you, you get as close as you can. And so using the kids and the mission, um, which is why everybody's showing up in the first place and making sure that that is front and center and everything that happens um, in that event. Uh, and then I think obviously like tightening up the length of time of the event, um, especially in in the COVID times where everybody's sitting on Zoom already all day, there's a little bit of co uh, Zoom fatigue. So we don't want to, we want to just get to the good stuff and, uh, and then leave them on a high note. Exactly. And the idea that, you know, obviously leading with the stories, I bet, you know, that was something you had to think about, like the cadence of the, of the gala and putting and front loading the gala with um, the stories, the personal human to human stories that people can resonate with. And I imagine, Rick, you had a, a lot to do with sort of that planning for the pivotal moment of, you know, is this a cause that you feel connected with because you've heard these human stories that will um, move you, right? So there's all this emotional uh, connection you're, you're really trying to create with the donor and the people who are benefiting, um, and yourselves, because they have to trust that it's you know their donations are in good hands. Um, so there's all this human to human stuff that's going on, looking at a camera. But I imagine there was a plan, like a really good way to set it up. Is that right, Rick? So that you can get to that point where you feel comfortable, you know, saying to somebody, you know, this is a cause that you should really think about donating to. I tell you, the um, because we had some time to think about this, <clears throat> they had they they went to their title sponsors uh, for footage, and some of them were you know um, direct to camera, right, uh, pre-recorded. Some of them were story form, uh, and done with high production, done in a high production way uh, that were very v extremely compelling. And so uh, we knew we were going to get the attention of the the audience. We knew we were going to tug on their hearts, you know, tug on their heartstrings because of the stories that these kids had to tell. And so I think it was up. It's really up to the MC and the planning committee to, okay, how are we going to segue and 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 really hook them in on this, you know, before they play the video and then get them in that emotional state where they're where they're you know they're they're really ready to contribute and they're they're in a mindset they've they've created a mindset where this is such a compelling story i want to raise my hand and i want to contribute you know so yeah. that, that that again that was a, a big part of the the planning stages yeah and 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 like you know michael was saying it is it's a lot easier to connect with somebody in person to to compel them to be a part of this mission but um, leading with the stories of the people that this is actually supporting and uplifting I, I think it can be very very compelling so it, it almost is like you get this opportunity you know it, it's not it's not like a worse situation to be in a virtual setting it's just different and I, I think you know it sounds like you did it su very successfully because um I, I understand you're able to be just as effective, just as impactful, raise just as much money in this virtual setting as you had in person. Is that correct, Michael? Yes. Yep. Yep. We hit about the same benchmark that we did the prior year, uh, though we were fearful. We were we were unsure because it was new territory whether how it was actually going to go, but it was successful. And did that surprise you? I'm just curious. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we've got a really good. 
outpouring during that fund and need component. And there was some surprise. There was some, there was some giving that wasn't not, that was not, uh, we were not aware of that kind of came, came out of the woodwork. Yeah. And uh, Rick, did it surprise you or were you anticipating this kind of su success and impact? Um, I, I don't know if it, if you would say I was surprised, I was very hopeful, yeah. you know, that, because of the setup and just the sequencing in my mind, uh, you know, I thought it was going to really, once they saw all the footage and heard all the stories that, you know, if it's done correctly, then people are very willing to help these, these kids in need. And so um, it was, you know, as a result of all their planning, I, I was really happy and uh, that they were able to get the unexpected in, yeah. in donations. And, and hopefully we can do the same again uh, this fall. Yes, absolutely. And so you you do have title sponsors, right, during these events, Michael. And mm -hmm. so how do you give them the opportunity to be heard or, or speak at, on in a virtual platform? Is it pre-recorded or what it, how does that work? Yeah, we did pre-record it on these ones. Um, so that uh, we had we had Walmart and Seabreeze and Kia were the three main, uh, title sponsors for the event, so they each had uh, pre-recorded segments that they that I either helped them shoot or they had their creative team go and build out, um, and yeah. then we placed those into the program. Yeah. So I mean, again, back to the planning and really knowing where things should, the order of things and how things should come about was really critical, and to give everybody the opportunity to be heard and speak and also tell the stories was was time constraints tough. I mean, because you said you had an hour, you, you did all this in an hour. Did you feel like that was a challenge at all, keeping it within the hour, or did that not the planning took care of that? Yeah, I mean, the big wild card in the overall timing of the event was the fund to need component. That was the that was the complex. Uh, that was the thing that's kind of hard to like fully get your arms around because you don't know exactly who's going to raise their hand and how many people and the exact timing because we had different donation levels uh, and like what's the proper amount of time to give people to think about whether they want to make a gift or not and not being too long so people are getting bored and having the uh, mission uh, commentary happening while that asking was going on was important too. So having that person who's executing the fund to need be a very personable, uh, uh, reliable, uh, emotional person was a key part of that. But so that was the part that ended up going longer than we thought it would. Um, by a little bit. So from a timing perspective, that was the, the challenge. But as far as like in the pre-show and, um, you know, we, we gave ourselves an hour, there was not a, like a particular, there wasn't a segment that I felt like we were missing. So I felt like we did touch all the right notes over that hour. Yeah. And so as a result of your, you know, going um, virtual with your events now for, you know, uh, fund, fundraising and so forth, is there anything that you, um, the issues that were unseen or unforeseen that now you are, are in a place to rectify those, whether it's a technical issue or, or another type of issue, Michael? Yeah, so I would say just uh, upping our game from like a quality perspective. Yeah. So spending more time on set design, set layout, uh, lighting, some of the pre-recorded segments, 
we had to do via Zoom. So that is never like the ideal situation to capture. You want to get on site and you want to, uh, you know, work with the work with the layout and the backdrop and get make sure everything's just perfect. So uh, on a future, a thing to change would be to you know do the do the work from that perspective. Get somebody out on site at the company's HQ that's the sponsor and get in their office and do it that way versus on Zoom. So that would be kind of one of the main kind of upgrade things I would do. Well, I don't know because I might change your mindset on that because I do everything virtually. I design full sets virtually across the country. So you know what? There's that, that probably will come too. It's just, you know, it's just the, it's, it's really, I think we just were not used to being this separated and now we have this, we, you know, we're, we're having to do it. So, so, but we, we are learning, we are getting better and better at doing that. So um, if you were to, so if you were to do it virtually again, which I know you will, because it is, it is very efficient in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, Is there anything you would change from previous um, other than, you know, go and make sure that the sets are all uh, set up well in um, for your speakers and so forth. Is there anything else? Yeah, and I think I think I need to watch more of your podcasts. Uh, I think that's what I just learned right now. <laughs> uh, excellent. I love that. I just gained another viewer. So I appreciate that. I uh, And please let me know anytime if there's anything I can do to communicate and um, interface with your um your, uh, you know, your, your MC or anybody, if I can help with that, I would love to, to be a part of it. So, um, okay. So as we wrap up, I'm just going to ask you one final questions question. Um, how are you doing the 2021 gala? Is there anything that you're doing uniquely or differently? Yeah. So that's been in the works, you know, pretty much for the last nine months trying to figure out like, okay, how are we going to do 2021? Got all these, variables of physical versus virtual and again to create the aura and the emotional attachment being in a physical space with the audience is better so we want to go that way if we can but we have these external constraints that are uh covid um constraints and and safety and will people show up in a in a physical way um, so we are going it's for 2021. We are going physical. Um, so we are going to do an in-person event, um, but we are going to take a lot of we're going to take the um, a lot of the technical components and pull them in. So uh, pre-recorded segments, uh, well done and available um, during the physical event. Uh, we actually have not fully defined what the virtual footprint will be. Um, but there will be some sort of a virtual component. I'm going to guess that it will be a pre-recorded um, piece. Uh, I don't think we are, I don't think, I think that the adding a live virtual component to our physical thing, uh, physical event, is probably more than we can take on this year. Um, so, but yeah, so we're going to make sure that we capture the essence of the event and, and provide, uh, a way for someone who wasn't there to, to be a part of it. Excellent. I mean, I think that's what you, 
the this being part of a virtual world now has kind of pushed us all into we've realized the benefits of being able to reach more people if we're doing things if we're syncing people in virtually so you know more eyes on the charity more people to hear the story more potential people that would want to be involved so i think um i think you know sometimes things happen and the world changes but there's always a silver lining. So this might be one of them for um, for our virtual workforce and, and virtual way of doing things. So um, I am going to just tell the audience that if you put the hashtag uh, host and shine in the in the box, in the comments box, that Rick will jump on a 15 minute strategy session to help you figure out what platform you need to set up your own virtual event, big or small, in any capacity. There's multiple platforms out there, and Rick knows how to navigate through those, and he can certainly help give you tips. And um, uh, uh, so uh, PK is on here, PK, PK Odell. Hi, PK. She's saying event replay so attendees can share. Okay, uh, so Rick will take care of that. And um, thank you for being here, PK. Uh, so hashtag host and shine and Rick can get on and consult you, consult with you on how, if you ever decide to a virtual event, how you can do it. And, and I, I know that it could be any number of people. It could be a, you know, a, a party of 10 people to hundreds. So um, it just depends on, you know, um, it, it really is going to depend on what platform you use and, and Rick can set you up for that. Okay, so Michael, to wrap up, we always do a Waste Up Wardrobe weekly wrap up. And um, give us the one major. Oh, PK is also adding, before we go there, she's saying that replays could bring post-event donations. That's what she was trying to say. So thank you for that. PK is a wealth of information. So thank you for, for putting it up there. Great great tip from our audience member here. Uh, so Waste Up Wardrobe Weekly Wrap-Up. Main takeaway, Michael, what would that be if somebody wants to start their own virtual um, fundraiser or event? Yeah, so I would say take the leap. So if you're thinking about it and you're scared, go for it. And maybe you do maybe you do a, a smaller version of what you ultimately want to land on. Um, but it's not that hard. Uh, just dive in. Exactly. And, you know, we all get a little bit shocked when we have to do something differently. But the world changes fast. And when you're in the, you know, you're, you're out there doing things and fundraising or working, you have to change as we as the world changes. Otherwise, you kind of get left behind. So thank you for that. Take the leap. Um, how about some tips that people can um, think about doing? Yeah. So I guess one thing I would say, so plan ahead, like we talked about planning, planning, planning. Um, and if you're going to have uh, multiple stakeholders and people that you're relying on to execute your event and guests and shooting. If you, the more pieces and parts you have, um, obviously it's more complicated and it's probably going to take longer than you think. So make sure you give yourself some room for that. Yes, buffer buffer space, white space, we call it. How about some tools that they can use to? maybe prepare themselves or organize themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I'll plug StreamYard again. Um, you know, Rick Rick is the guy who managed, works with us on it, but it's a pretty plug and play system that is relatively easy to learn. So for live streaming events, StreamYard. 
Yeah, and that's what I use too to stream this show. So it is an excellent platform. And so finally, give us one or two action items. If somebody is sitting there contemplating an event, but they've been a little bit scared, some action items, something they can do right away, right now to kind of spring them into action. Yeah, um, I mean, I had I had a microphone and camera. So if you do not own one, uh, get one of those relatively budget-friendly versions that will just upgrade those two components right away. Uh, and then practice. Uh, maybe jump in your own Zoom call and uh, try something out and see what it sounds like. And you'll quick, like, it's very, it's a very quick ramp up. You learn really quickly, like, oh, that doesn't work or that does work. And uh, take it from there. Exactly. Practice makes perfect. It's really true. And, and that's how you learn. So thank you so much, Michael, for being here today. I, um, I, I really appreciate the work that you're putting out there into the world. Uh, it is definitely a heart-centered um, project. It sounds like you're a heart-centered individual and um, just having that ripple effect in life is, is so impactful. So thank you for the work that you do and the people you impact. And thank you for being on my show today. I really appreciate your presence and the insight. And um, I'll uh, hopefully connect with you real soon again. And there you have it, the Waste Up Wardrobe Weekly uh, wrap-up and uh, the end to show episode four. 44. But as you know, we'll be here next week at 1130, same time, same place with another amazing show about how to show up your very best uh, on the Zoom, in the Zoom room and in your virtual workspace. So join us uh, next Thursday at 1130 Pacific Standard Time and invite a friend.